getting lumped up with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. I'm getting lumped up with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. Well, I'm lumped up, but I'm okay. It's gonna get lumped up anyway. You better call back the posse. Just getting lumped up with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. Getting lumped up with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rocker Mike and Rob Presents show. I'm Rocker Mike. We got Rob Rossi in the top left. Special guest today is Ron Greco of the San Francisco band Crime. He was the bass player of that legendary band. Welcome to the show, Ron. Thank you. Thank you. How are you doing today? Okay? I'm always doing good. I try to keep working with music, with new band members. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for 61 years. I know. Wow. We're going we're to talk about some of the some of the highlights of of that long and, and illustrious career. <laughs> um, Ron Thank is you. known most famously crime. for being the bass player in Crime, uh, though he has done some other things we're going to discuss, and he has some up and coming things we're going to discuss. Um, but Crime was formed in 1976 in San Francisco with Ron, of course, uh, Johnny Strike, Frankie Fix, and Ricky Tractor originally um in their time their their heyday between about 76 and 81 they recorded three singles ricky williams what's that or ricky tractor ricky tractor i said yes yes on drums right ricky ricky tractor was the original drummer right ron you're cutting out a little oh, okay ricky tractor was the original drummer is that correct Okay, the original drummer, we auditioned three drummers before Ricky Tractor. Mm -hmm. One drummer was from my earlier band, Hell and High Water, Chris Cat, or um, Chris, Chris Johnson, full name. Right. And so it worked out with him. We were doing it for a week, but then his, his wife called and gave him, gave him the choice because uh -oh. he just got married. The marriage? or your stinking rock and roll band bullshit. Oh boy. <laughs> and so he had to go. I mean, a great drummer, everything. I liked the guy a lot. And we did a live TV show together, but I understood. I've been yeah, married three times. That's, he's I, not the only guy ever to be put in that situation. That's for sure. Right. Then nope. what? Basically, the other two drummers, I forgot their names, but mm -hmm. Ricky was the one that stuck it out with us. He. Okay, he's passed away. He's gone, as you know. Yeah. So the whole thing with Ricky was, uh, he was the type, he's like Gavin Newsom, the guy running maybe for president. He's reaching for words, but Ricky Williams was reaching for his sticks as he's playing. He, he lagged behind, but he made it on the first 45. The, uh, the way he played, it, I was a drummer for like six years. So. Yes by watching him and like, holy smokes. And then right after the 45, did a couple of shows and then we got another drummer, finally. Finally got another drummer. And so that drummer- was That was uh, Britley Black? Britley Black, his father was Dave Black. His father worked with the big bands in the 40s and the 50s. Okay. And outstanding. Britley, this guy 
he could drum circles around any drummer. And okay, so with Britley, he and I were able to, during the songs live, we could speed up the song or slow it down. And Frankie and Johnny, they learned, they caught, they caught on quick. Right. And so our biggest feat was when we did Murder by Guitar live on stage. We sped it up. The audience went nuts, like 500, 600 people. It was so interesting that we were banned for six months. <laughs> the audience, they started the, the whole, okay, it was a mixture of punk and mosh pit. Because right. all that stuff started with us and um, one other band. I forgot who it was. Well, whatever for now. And so Murder by Guitar was fast. We were banned from the club for six months. And the reason why, the audience broke the tables. They broke some of the windows in the club. And that was it. And right. I even have several of those posters here. I kept everything. Because I learned from my earlier bands, when you do concerts, keep your posters. Oh, keep yeah. all the memento stuff. Right, right. And so it's like a museum. <laughs> yeah. And so, Britley, outstanding. You know, Ron, so, let me... Um, worked with us. Ron, Ron, let me let me ask you a question. Go ahead. Um, you know, you talked about... You mentioned for a second how you played drums. Now, you played drums briefly in the Flaming Groovies. Is that correct? No. Okay. Everyone puts me with that. Me and Cyril Jordan... In, in high school, we started, you know, a little band thing at my drums and his guitar. Mm -hmm. He introduced me to um, George Alexander, the bass player. Right. And Tim Lynch, the guitar player. My father, at one of the houses, built a stage for us to rehearse in. Okay. We were then called the Chosen Few. Okay. That lasted for about several months. And then... We broke up after a Fillmore West, the Fillmore show at the old Fillmore. Mm -hmm. We were not used to, okay, when you rehearse with the band, you're in like a 20 foot by maybe 30 foot place to play. You got a nice 12, 15 foot stage. We're at the Fillmore, the stage is 80 feet wide, 30 feet deep. And so everyone was spread out so far, there was confusion during our live show. So that was it. The band broke up for a little bit. Hot Knives came with Tim Lynch. And the, uh, there was another name for Cyril with his band. I started the Barons. Okay. And so that was in 1967, six, right around there. God, going back a long time. Yeah. And so after that, they reformed and they got another drummer. And so I went on to do a couple of TV shows. They went on to call themselves Flaming Groovies. Now, Cyril Jordan, excellent artist. He did the, a lot of the, the the covers. And so they went on to play. I went on to play. And so my biggest show with my other band was opening up for The Doors. Oh, wow. The best show. Now, I, I would talk to Cyril and everybody about it. And I go, look it. I just drew almost 32,000 people. <laughs> and you guys, you know, I love the name and everything, but what are you doing? Well, you're playing the old film where you're doing a couple of shows out here and there, and you're still doing Beatles songs. Yeah. Guys, stop. To this day, they're still doing Beatles songs. And, you know, they have a couple of their little songs that they put on a 45 and on an EP. But with me, the Space Invaders came along. Oh. Now, that band, this is the interesting part. 
after the TV show, the band sort of broke up. Which TV so show was this? Channel 20, James Gabbard. Okay. And so, fun show, live and everything. That's where I met James Stark, great photographer. He took some of the live shows, pictures. Yes, yes, I know the did. name. Good, thank you. And so, I'm at a nightclub by myself, and this, you're gonna love this. This waiter walks up to me, and he goes, do you play bass guitar? Now I didn't lead singing and rhythm guitar and drums. And I go, yeah, I looked at him. It's Johnny, or um, what was his real name? Gosh, I, I won't bring up the real name. Okay, so he okay. had a big rooster on his head, you know, the hair, yeah. the rooster cut, and a big eyeball on his t-shirt. And I'm looking at him, and he goes, yeah, I play guitar. Do you want to jam a little bit? So about a few days later, I get a phone call, and he goes, come by, I live, blah, blah, blah. So I went by, and I listened to them. This is Frankie and Johnny. Now, Frankie comes out. I never met him before. Bald-headed with a space outfit on. I go to myself, <laughs> what am I getting myself? What am I getting myself into? <laughs> so they both got their guitars and their little tiny amps in their plane. And I listened to the lyrics. Interesting. This is good. I like it. Right. And so I went out and I bought a bass guitar and an amp right away, small, everything small. So we're in the front room rehearsing for like a week or so, two weeks. And I'm going to, here's the song list. These were the songs, Raw Rumble, Twins with a Z, Lash Studded Stella, Street Talk. Hang on. This is the original list. Everybody would love to get their hands on it. Ain't going to happen. <laughs> Crashing Baby, Electric Boys, Monster News, Sick Trick. Solar Fire, Sound Wars, Razors, Monster News. And the lyrics were good. Right. And I go, I like this. So get the guitar and we start playing. Within two weeks, we each, all of us bought Marshall Stacks. So we're in the front room. Johnny's wife comes out, wonderful woman. She goes, guys, you know, you're sort of playing loud. We're only on one, you know, the number one. <laughs> and so, yeah, but the hum is so damn loud. So we rented out a garage space for a while, a couple of weeks. And then in a matter of less than like another two weeks more, we're playing at the Mabuhai. Yeah. And then, and then we're doing a couple of other shows, oddball shows, where um, it was the, um, not SIR. I have the only poster known of this was a photograph of crime at the SIR thing at the old, old Waldorf on Battery. Okay. Now, we have our Marshall stacks. Everything's all brand new and great. We're going to do our first show. A roadie comes in and he goes, man, you got to get out there. Why? All these guys dressed dress up in dresses and everything. Yeah, they knocked over one of the Marshall stacks. We ran out of there so fast. We put everything back up. And then we did our show. <laughs> then, yeah, you were called sure. crime at that point, Ron? <sighs> okay, that's right. So now... We are the Space Invaders in the front room. Right. Then we change it as we're rehearsing in one of the garages to the Invaders. And then a friend of Johnny's named Tony Steele. He came up and we're all yakking away. And all of a sudden, this name crime came up. Right. So we're all talking about crime, crime. We're all trying to analyze how it will fit here with this way, that way, this way. And we kept it. Within one month of playing at the Mabuhai, 
it was packed. It was us. And a couple, I don't, see, now for me to remember all the other bands that were playing there at those moments, they, um, it wasn't the Avengers, the Dead Kennedys, because they didn't pop up yet until about almost a half year later. Because they were way ahead of them. Right. And so now, Mary Monday's playing, we play, and another band popped up, which I totally hated. But they came out of nowhere, and so we would share the top billing bill. And so I got pissed off at the person who put them there. And of course... Do you want to name that band, Ron? Yeah. N-U-N-S. Oh, okay. Nuns. Gotcha. They... Whatever. Man, I have a lot of things to say, but let's put it this way. Okay. Herb, Cain, Herb Cain loved us. Crime was so loud at San Quentin, the convicts were scaling the walls. The nuns, now, this yeah. is Herb Cain. The nuns, you know, who are they? They have songs like Lurch and Deploy, you know, Black Sandwich. Who are they? But now you have crime. <laughs> crime. All right. Dillinger's Brain. Monster News. Great Murder songs. by Guitar. Mm-hmm. And then Red Fox came to see us. And Red Fox is like looking at us. Really? We got a couple pictures together. Us, Red's dead, Frankie, my leads, well, they're all dead. And the owner of the club is dead. Nice picture of all three of them. They um, they loved us. But Red Fox goes, I ain't seen bullshit like this since I've been in court. Because <laughs> it's the country. All the punk stuff. The kids are pogoing. They're, they're all pushing each other around. My brothers who went to see us couldn't believe how crazy the crowd was to them. Wow. My, my younger brothers. Okay, go ahead. Well, Next one. Well, Ron, what I'd like to get into, something that I've personally noticed in, in, in my life listening to your band, you know, they get kind of lumped in with the punk bands of the time. Uh, but like you just mentioned, you know, you were a good year and a half before everybody else there in San Francisco on the West Coast. Um, I always felt that you were more of a, like a, they call it proto-punk now, but it was really more of a, a hard rock, heavy rock, kind of nihilistic rock kind of thing that I felt you had more in common with what was going on in Detroit at that time, like maybe like the Stooges. Do you agree Thank at you. all? That's a compliment, yes. Oh, I mean yes. it as a compliment. I mean it absolutely. Thank as a you. But but I, I think you guys uh, kind of not too many people say that you get kind of lumped in with, you know, the Avengers and bands like that. But you you, you really were quite different. Yeah. Uh, okay, Bill Graham. When I was seventeen years old, this all goes to this. Um, I was carrying my drums up the Fillmore because we were doing the concert before with the Flaming Groovy name. Mm-hmm. And Bill Graham stops me and he goes, are you playing here? I go, yeah, with my band. How old are you? 18. I lied. And he goes, put a mustache on your face. Do something. Damn it. Okay. So <laughs> 10 years later, we're at playing at the old Waldorf on Battery with the Ramones. Yes. Bill Graham walks in. He goes, you again to me. And he goes, what are you? The godfather of punk? <laughs> now, who heard that? The Ramones. My right. band crying. And so, where is this leading to? Okay, I am the godfather of punk on the West Coast. You have Iggy over on the East Coast. And so now with the music scene, we started playing with all the other fun bands. Blondie. 
the dams. Right. And so I'm looking around here. I got all my posters up. Everything's in cabinets and everything. It's a good thing. And you then kept... we started doing the yeah. Then we did the goofy shows, the fun shows at San Quentin. And um, where else? Oh, we did one at the Bird in Seattle. You know, Psychotic Pineapple. They did a few shows with us. Uh huh. And okay, next question. <laughs> I trail off sometimes. Wait, you're that's, so, that's okay. That's okay. You got the open floor here. Um, I did want to ask you about the first single. Uh, in fact, just kind of preface it with the three singles that you guys put out in that time to me is some of the most important stuff to ever come out of the West coast in that scene. Uh, so many people have been looking for those original singles. They're very rare. Um, but I always felt that, it, you know, it, 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 it preceded everything before it. Like I was saying before, yep. you guys were like proto punk the way the stooges were yep. anything like that. But let's talk about that first single hot wire, my heart with uh, baby. You're so repulsive on the back. Okay, uh, tell us a little about right. how that got to be, because I know you guys self-financed that. Yes, yes, we did. The um, okay, "Hot Wire My Heart" and "Baby So Repulsive." Frankie and Johnny each wrote the lyrics for the song, and I thought that was okay. "Hot Wire My Heart," great. "Baby So Repulsive," I could never stop laughing about it when we played it live. Great, great lyrics in that song. <laughs> yes, you're so repulsive, hot honey. <laughs> I'm so sick. And yep. it's like, okay, this is funny as hell. I would turn away from the audience because I don't, not that I would crack up, but the idea, the, their lyrics, they, you know, yes. God, I miss them. And so they never stopped writing good stuff. That single, um, okay, it was a big mess in the beginning for the photo shoot with James Stark because Ricky Williams destroyed all the background droppings and everything. We had to put stuff back up. And, James almost just said, fuck this, and walked out. But we finished it. Right. Great photos and everything. And that's it. The lyrics were good. Oh, so here's the fun thing about that. You're going to love this. When um, we pressed 2,000? No, I think it was 1,000. Yeah, 1,000 of the uh, 45s. At the record signing during the show, someone walked off with 500 of them. Oh wow! Oh, okay. Wow. So, um, the point everything pointed to this one guy. And so for a couple of years, I always blamed him. He didn't know what I was talking about. Then I fucking found out it was Frank and Johnny that took him and hit him in their cars. Oh no! My own guys. And wow! So I apologize to the kid, and I gave him. Stuff. I would talk to him once in a while, and so that was at forty-five. The songs were good. Let's press on. What's the next one? Well, by 77, you're ready to put out another single. Okay. And this is uh, Frustration and Murder by Guitar. Thank you. Now, you got a, you got a new drummer on this one, right? This is Britley Black was brought in at this point. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, tell uh, us about that. The recording went well. Everything was good. I love the songs. And... What else can, more can I say about it? Oh, Berkeley Square stepped in. Right. I think it was Berkeley Square Records who did the um, yes. all the promoting. They did all the um, 
call. They were recording with us and everything. So they paid for everything. They got us, every, uh, me and my drummer, Britley, they got us um, a, uh, a suite at Crystal Towers. And they were paying for that $750 a month, two-bedroom place and everything. Mm-hmm. And Johnny and them got money, also the songwriters. And we also, every time we played, we each got 750 bucks. Okay. And then when the contract ended, Frankie and Johnny each got five, five grand. Britley and I each got three grand. And the synthesizer player, Joey, who did the synthesizer, got a couple of grand. Joey Decay? Joey Decay, yes. Or Joey Schwales. His real name. Real name. Okay. And then we broke up. Then we got back together again. That's where Hank came along. Well, Hank Hank came along later in 77. And then by 79, you left the band, right? Here's what happened. I was going to ask Hank you. Rank did not like my girlfriend. He did not like her. And I go, what's wrong with you? You know, I've never been with musicians where they actually say something about in the inner group about their old ladies, girlfriends, whatever. So right. I said, fuck you. I'm quitting the band because I fell in love with her. You know, the love yeah. thing. It's great. So they couldn't believe it. So here I am. I started another band on the side, and I go back to that same nightclub. With the, I had a green suit on, and I carried my green, lime green Gretsch guitar, double cutaway, to the club. And I was sitting there alone. The whole band came in, and there they were. They're staring at me. You want to get back with crime? Because I already broke up with the girl. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. And I gave Hank a dirty look and everything, but that's it. He never opened his mouth again. Now that was around 1981 and the Maserati single, right? Thank you. Yes. Okay. Now you guys had a little different sound on that one. Maserati with gangsta funk on the back. Uh, Don't forget mm -hmm. the the most important thing about when the sounds change, when you go to different recording studios, those engineers, some of them are brilliant. I did a double album way before Crime with Merle Saunders and the Edwin Hawkins singers. That engineer, Leo Coca, he made my voice sound great. He did stuff that I couldn't believe. Now, I don't have that double album because the artist who did all the um, Corel Appel, who did all the lithographs in it, only pressed a thousand, sold them for a thousand bucks each. (laughs) You know, 1969, I didn't have $1,000 in my pocket and still paying for equipment. Right. my one of my old drummers from Chocolate Watch Band. He goes, "Hey, I saw a copy of that for sale for eight hundred dollars. Really? Yeah, but it's all messed up." So even then, I didn't have the eight hundred. Yeah. And so now, Hank is a good drummer. I taught him things in the very beginning. He didn't, he didn't appreciate it, but he really, really wanted to be with Crime. That was so damn important to him. Good. I'll do my best with him, and so. Since I had played drums for like three, four years, I know, you know all the things that are important about pushing a sound, pushing the drum sound. So I taught him. And later on, after crime really broke up in 93, well, why don't we stop there? Then let's go. You have more questions. About well, no, I was, I, I was curious as to, you know, the change of sound with that last single, Maserati and Gangsta Funk. Seemed like you were yes. going in a little bit more of a 
I don't want to say new wave, but for lack of a better expression, I'll say new wave expression, you know, new wave direction. But it sounded almost go. like Gang of Four-ish kind of stuff like that. It, were, you, were you thinking about bands like that or was this just no. something? No. My no. head was only involved with crime, only with the sound. Mm -hmm. I, here's the trick. I don't tell a lot of people this, but you can put it out there. When you're working with a new band, do not in any way turn on the radio. Do not listen to any other music. Yes. I did this for a couple of years with crime because because I did not want to have, how do you say, any, to be brainwashed with any other things. influenced I, by anybody, right? Right. And I didn't want to go out to nightclubs or anything. Now, when crime went out, we went out as a band. And that was it. You know, out to either um, go to nightclubs or concerts as mm -hmm. a group. And that's the only way that you can actually be definitive on how you're going to get your sound down. You cannot be influenced. You cannot in any way. And it's so easy that you can, and it can happen to you. I'm working right now on my next solo album. And how do I know where I'm going with this? When I play live, I, I get top billing all the time because the bands, the last five shows, all the way up to like a year and a half ago, you're going to love this. They put me top billing because they've been around a long time. Okay. Because when they play the middle slot, that's important to them because they know they're going to be the hot band. Right? Right. You know, I'm just Ron Greco from. <laughs> they play, nobody leaves. Good. They all came to see me. And so, really, now, there are friends there that I've known for 30, 40 years who came to see this. They came to pretty much all the shows. And they go, Ron, your sound, it's good. It's spooky. It's, and they go, tell me about the songs. Ah, Murder by, no, excuse me, Murder by Guitar. Where's my song list? I have it all here. That's old one. Uh, no, this is the new one for um, when we played live. What the hell? Man, wait, you're 75. Damn it. it. The song list has the, um, what do you call it? There it is, under King Kong. <laughs> okay, here we are. Blue Blood. This, this is a true story. The songs, you took the life of a friend, and now it has, a, it has to end. Blue Blood came from Hollywood. She never saw you coming. It was the power of your money. It kept him in the dark. They were in the life of a friend, and now it has to end. Da, 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 da. Now, the lyrics on all these songs are important because my, my ex-wife, she goes, you have hooks in each one of these songs. And so the audience I watch as I'm singing, nobody's smoking, nobody's drinking, they're staring. They're actually listening to the songs. Right. And so That's when they did the tech you're onto something. Go ahead. That's how you know you're onto something there. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm good at this. I've been on stage since 1959. Right. I was dragged down playing the fucking accordion. <laughs> but it's about my ear and blah, blah, blah. And then when I did the taxi song, everyone's laughing their heads off because that's the new bar song. I, I get in a fight with Mick Jagger in the lyrics and we're right. fighting over the taxi. And so we all get in and then we all like smelling who farted in the taxi last night. <laughs> <laughs> so it was another queen, Nadine or Christine. And so wow. now I did for the memorial for Johnny when he passed away. Right. The House of Crime. Now the House of Crime is actually pretty good. 
Welcome to the House of Crime. I'll be your guide for the night. Mr. Black is in the Red House and his Cadillac Rage is on. Now, with this one, I was there with Britley when he's smashing his dashboard with his high heel boots and everything because his girlfriend is upstairs in this old Victorian. I'm in the car with Britley doing something with Nikki Six. Oh, no. That Motley Crue thing. Yeah. And they go, and so the lyrics go on and on and on. So I get a call from the girl I haven't seen or heard from in like almost 40 years, Autumn. And she goes, Ron, is that song about me? Yeah. I was there early <laughs> when he was upset. <laughs> and so Mr. Black and Frankie are gone. Frankie and Johnny will never see again. Now they're gone. There's no more pain. Da, da, da. I did that song for sold out crowd, almost 900 people. Mm -hmm. And put the thing on because Hank and Johnny were the two that got together with Vortex and me and Frankie did crime. And so we went, did a few more shows and then I got upset with Frankie when he came out, he was chewing, Ginger was chewing him out backstage for what he was doing. And I go, Frankie, look at you, you're on stage with us. You're singing okay, but you're dancing like James Gabbard. <laughs> and he bust out laughing. Oh God. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Wow. Fire away. Next. Well, let me ask you about a, a very important part of the history of crime, and that is the uh, the video you did for Target, the Live in San Quentin movie. Yes. Um, yes. You know, it's funny. I, I've I've never seen this in its entirety. I have quite a few Target videos that have been re-released over the years, but I don't think this has ever really been re-released <laughs> like the others, as far as I know. Um you guys did you guys did something very clever and you dressed like prison guards what, what was the idea for doing that no 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 okay no 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 okay, okay. Here we go. Right. two of my uncles were in the police department and so they loaned me their outfits and so the band were the police outfits right and before we did San Quentin, we um, came up with some ideas. And I think Hank brought up the best one. Let's go raid the porno houses. So we got flashlights. We walk into the porno places. This is a raid. This is a raid. And they're all people <laughs> standing up knowing what to do. <laughs> well, Herb Kane heard about it. And he thought it was the greatest thing that he could write. And so he's just, I mean, we, we have all our paperwork here. From all, from everything from the Chronicle to the Examiner, right. we did a crime file every year. Now, when I needed money, I sold some of my crime files, you know, for rent and stuff like that. Yeah, because right then was cheap, like what eighty dollars, hundred dollars a month back then. But still, when you're offered, you know, twenty-five, fifty dollars, seventy-five dollars for stuff, wow. Okay, but I learned my lesson. Ninety-eight percent of the stuff I still have here. The few things that I sold, oh well. And I still have autographed stuff by everybody. Most important thing. And so Herb Kane wrote about this and he goes, crime is out there. So what happens? Sheriff Hennessy from the police department comes backstage and he goes, stop raiding the porno houses. Where did you get the uniforms? I swore to secret. Yeah. Now they're, they just died like a year ago, both of them. Oh. <coughs> and so, <coughs> excuse me. And so we did a few shows, a few more shows, 
And then we got into the Japanese stage of Yakuza, wearing the special t-shirts. I have photographs of all that stuff here. James Stark hung around with us for a bunch of years, and he did his books with us in it and everything. Right. That's the picture book that came out about 12 to 14 years ago, something like that? Let's see. I'm walking over to the man called Crime, Punk 77 Revisited by James Stark. That's one. That's right. That's Did right. you ever see Word Desperate? No. Okay. That one's good also. It has everybody in it. Jim Chicoy was the photographer. Mm -hmm. I'd have heard of him. I have. I'm looking at the stacks here. Too bad I can't send you instant pictures while we're talking. Okay. You can describe it. Yes. And so Word Desperate had all of us. This photographer hung around in the Buhai clever guy and get all these pictures and put it together in I think 180 pages of all of us. Man, I have all this dust on everything. <laughs> That's the crime, one of the crime tables, the crime cabinet, the crime walls. I just got to make sure nothing ever burns or it gets destroyed here. Oh, God forbid. And so I'm looking at everybody. It has everybody in this book, all the bands that played with us. And one of the I'm going to love this. One of the guys in the club, he came backstage and he goes, can I do your makeup? So he did my makeup. And he goes, where do you guys get your sound at? And I go, why, Don? Well, I'm going to form a punk band. So a couple of months later, he does a band called The Offs, O-F-F-S, mm -hmm. Don Vinyl. And so they played with us a few shows. And so now... He's passed on. Half the members are all passed. It's like I can't make phone calls anymore because some people just say oh, they passed away or I find out that other people that I've known have passed on. It's like, damn it. And so why am I still alive? I'm the, I've been on the stage the longest. Well, you're here, you're here to tell the story, Ron. Well, I bought a house. All my band members did something else. Yeah. And so... My old drummer, before he passed away, came over to to the house because I had just gotten married. We had a little, little boy, and he's looking, well, how'd you get the house? What do you think? You know, I, I'm i the um, I'm the lightweight. That's the way I could only describe myself. And because of my background history of just, you know, when I played shows with the accordion, but I made good money. Mm -hmm. I'm like 12. 13, 14 years old. Oof. I hated it, but I was getting 50 bucks a night. This is early 60s. One of my wealthy aunts gave me a bunch of money. My parents go, we're going to put that in the bank for you. Okay, okay. And she dies, didn't have a will. So some of us all got all kinds of inheritances and everything. I invested into more equipment, better amplifiers, everything, more guitars. But of course, when you have three marriages, two in divorce and one death, it's like, oh boy, there goes the money here and there and here. Now I want to get married again. Find me a wife out there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. oh, wow. So now, after the memorial, the memorial, Hank was there. We talked. I may do another big show. I'm going to rent this theater. It's only a thousand bucks to rent this theater in San Francisco. 
But the rule is you have to show one movie if you're going to do a live band. It's, it's the permits that are all bullshit out here. So why don't you show the crime movie? The first rock <laughs> well, movie. Okay. Look, that's good. Three months ago, I went to see the crime movie mm-hmm. with um, my newly guitar player and his fiance. He loved it. Now, I've seen the crime movie. I have the crime movie here, blah, blah, blah. And one thing that Hank did, I'm really happy about, he pushed the, my bass guitar playing really strong, really loud in that movie. It made the movie. Yeah. And so I'm thankful for that. Hank and I have our ups and downs, you know, however, but he did it right. And, okay, so All right. getting the crime movie to play with us, that's a different weird thing because I don't have the rights for that movie to play anywhere. Oh, It has nothing to do with me. It's Hank and whoever else that he's involved with for something that it's a good movie. It's great. Every time they, they show it here or not Hollywood, Hollywood didn't get that much of a crowd. Is, I is told that, Hank, look at Is I that film available on DVD yet, Ron? And there's like maybe 80 or 100 people. The theater holds 800 people, Hank. So mm-hmm. I said, look, get my band to play that. Open for the movie. Huh? And so I, I told Hank, you can play drums with us too. <laughs> yeah, why not? Right? Didn't say anything. <laughs> and that I, was at the crime show. That. Yeah, yeah, and crime show three months ago. Everybody's yakking away with me there, but they all know I'm, to, I'm trying to do more records. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna probably drop dead on stage. <laughs> Don't say. My that. son goes, Dad. If you're 80 years old, you're trying to trying to lead sing. I know. Shoot me in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's next? Well, I was going to say, um, you know, over the years, the band has been rediscovered several times. There's There's been different releases over the last 30 years. One in particular was called San Francisco's Doomed. That was a bunch of unreleased material at the time that came out in 91. Then a uh, second CD called San Francisco's Still Doomed came out in 2004 with even more new material there. Uh, Monster Records has put out a box set of singles in 2015. Right. Um, several, I mean, the band's been widely bootlegged as well, unfortunately for you guys. So there's a lot of stuff Can you out see there. the album? Say again? Can you see the albums that I have on the wall? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay. There you go. And then I have, where's the other one? Right here. It's hidden behind this guy that I was hanging out with in a, another hoe. Don oh. Ho. <laughs> okay. Let me ask you, Ron. Um, in 2008, there was an actual new album by Crime. You weren't involved with it, though. What, what, what right. happened there? Why were you not involved? Because look, it's actually simple. It all comes down to the most important part, M-O-N-E-Y. So Hank put this out. Right. Paid for everything. And so that was his call, how he wanted to do things. So it didn't bother me at all because now I'm working again with other bands. And yeah. to me, the only thing that's important is what I'm doing. Okay. Now you, have a band, you have a band called the Dark Gypsies. Can you tell us about that? Yes, the Dark Gypsy Band. 
Okay. That only survived for, I'm walking over to where the posters are on the floor. The Dark Gypsies with Ron the Ripper from Crime. Let's see. Am I doing this right? That's one of the concert posters. Okay. This show, this show, again, all the bands that wanted to play in the middle with me in the, on top, they all assumed that when they did their, because they've been around for like five, 10 years, somewhat popular, but no one left. Here's the other, this is a good one. Okay. And so they hung around because the, the, the audience hung around. Now the Dark Gypsy Band, that lasted for two concerts. And then after that, we did Ghost Train because now I had to keep changing the name so it would fit for what's going on. So what's going on now? We are the Frisco Fugitives. The Frisco Fugitives? And everybody likes it. It's a great name. Yes, they, everyone likes it. And that is a, I know how to work out. See, I'm not good at promoting shit, but I'm good at working with the band thing. But when it comes to the bigger scale, uh-uh. Yeah, I wish Bill Graham was still around. Yeah, guy, he would have handled it. Oh, yeah, he would have um, put us there. We're like the Paul Butterfield of the bands that, you know, that were top billing. We're like the, the band that opens up for the big band. Right. And I wanted to open up for the Rolling Stones, not to blow them away, but just put out the new music. But no, everyone has to go and die. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are you going to do? At least you're still here. Thank you. You know, so Ron, um, what do you got coming up? I know you said you're looking to try to get some shows together. Tell, tell us what you got going on right now. Okay. I've been asked to play a few shows and I won't. Okay. Because this is important right now. I'm not going to do a po political thing, but the bottom line is when somebody came into office, those four years, all the way up to 2022, whatever, 2020, uh, were the biggest mistake that was whatever done it ruined the nightclubs it ruined then i find out that the people that put on the big shows well they're not democrats let's put it that way right. and so what they're doing is killing the voice they're putting the people out there on stage that just either don't make any sense scream and yell for nothing or have pretty things to say like um what's your name and stuff like that it's like Where's this going? So I look at everything. I analyze what's so important for the next new scene. Okay, well, the bottom line is still good lyrics and push it to the point where the audience gets, how do you say, activated because the music is strong. It hits you. And so when I do the Zodiac song, near the end, there are three or four girls on stage that sing. I go, I killed the Zodiac. The girls yell, we killed the Zodiac. I killed the Zodiac. <laughs> so right away, the audience participation is great. I don't, I don't mess around. With Spider-Woman, that one is great. That one right there, I get, I get you right in the beginning. She's a what? Then I yell, I yell she's a Spider-Woman. Whoa. Then oh. mm -hmm. I do the fight song. Now, the fight song is good only because it's a breakup in a marriage 
I did the lyrics over at Wells Fargo with all the girls that work there. And I go, we, we pretend to fight on stage. I gave it all to you. I gave you all I can fight. And the band's yelling in the background, fight, fight. And so I pull a girl up in the audience and we do a little fake fight. And then near the end of the song, it gets a little mushy and then we kiss. Now the girls at Wells Fargo, they all went, ah. I said to myself, I have a hit. <laughs> <laughs> so I know how to test my songs. I did a song once at Kizar Stadium. Okay, a fight, like a riot broke out. There was like a thousand people in the audience and right in the middle of it, there's like 20 people fighting. Yeah. I go to the end. Okay, let's speed up the song. Whatever, whatever the song was, this is like 1968. And we went faster and I go faster. We were going so fast. They stopped fighting. They turned around and looked at us. I said to myself, <laughs> I have crowd control. <laughs> hey, Rob. Your turn, Rob. What do you want to talk about? Oh, I let Mike do most of this because I'm probably going to. I do the. I edit the video and stuff, so I'm listening to cool. you guys talk. Cool. And you got a lot I'm of fascinating stories. Rob, Rob is Rob is the uh, is the strong silent type. I'm the one with the big mouth. Cool. Okay, strong silent. <laughs> But listen, Ron, I'd like to thank you for being on. Okay. You're very, you're very interesting. Your career has been very interesting. Crime has been such an important band. And yeah. I'm sure you're yeah. proud to be part of all that. And we wish you luck with whatever you got coming up. We're going to be paying attention. Let us know what you're doing. We'll promote you. Thank Well, that's fun. That's nice. Yeah. Um, if the song, okay. If my songs are good and I get real good positive reaction, then I, then I would actually be able to say something. But, you know, if I'm not doing that good and concerts are like nothing, it's like a mess, then I just keep my mouth shut and I hibernate and I keep writing. That's, that's yes. definitely that's understood. All right, Ron, Greco. I'm just thank waiting you. for the news. All right, guys. All right, you have a good day now. You take care, sir. Oh. Getting lumped up with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. I'm getting lumped up with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. Well, I'm lumped up, but I'm okay. It's gonna get lumped up anyway. You better call back the posse. Just getting lumped up with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. Getting lumped up with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi.